Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is Danny. Join me as we go deep into God's Word, as we discover the hidden gems and hidden treasures that God has made available to us all if we would have but ears to hear and eyes to see. As you come with me on this journey, let's explore God's Word and see what He desires to show and tell us in our day. This may be your first time or the next time, but I welcome you here. Let's dig in and see what the Lord has for us today. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 17. Uh, I want to say thanks to everyone who is joining me again. Uh, maybe perhaps some of you for the first time. I welcome you uh, to come along with me on this journey. And I'm thankful for all that God is doing through it. Um, whether I know or do not know, um, it continues to reach out to other countries um, and I'm very thankful for what the Lord is doing, um, all from this little place in which I record. So, uh, thanks for coming. So today, um, I was actually in my in my Bible study quiet time uh, this morning, and I I began to think in a passage. Um, and it was I was reading actually out of Mark, so I'm going to read the I'm going to read this little section, and I probably won't have too many answers today, uh, but I do think that um, maybe by by my sharing of questions and the thoughts that maybe come to mind, um, it might stimulate you to go on a on a thought journey, and so perhaps together we can explore some of the, um, you know, possibly uh, mystery that's hidden below the surface, and maybe the Lord will take pleasure in, in revealing to us. So um, this comes out of Mark chapter 1, and we'll start, um, I'll just start reading in verse 9, and um, we'll, the text that we're actually pulling from is uh, chapter uh, Still chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Uh, so we'll start reading in verse 9, but it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So that would be John the Baptist. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. So let me just let me just give a little bit of framework before I continue. It says in the days in those days Jesus came from Galilee was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. So John is seeing the heavens being torn open and the spirit the spirit of God descending upon him, Jesus, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. This is a 
This is a confirmation of identity, or maybe you could say an affirmation of identity. God the Father is speaking to God the Son, affirming his feeling about Jesus. He affirms that you are my beloved son. Not only is Jesus his son, but he is his beloved. This is a strange word oftentimes in our um in our in in our English um language. Um this Greek uh, origin is connected to it uh, uh, to the word agape. So this is not only a not only an expression of of love, but um, an agape, a without measure, a without without condition, unconditional love. The lexicon says that this beloved is a title of the Messiah Christ himself as beloved beyond all others by the God who sent him. Um, Also, this title beloved is spoken of Christians as beloved by God, Christ, and then one another. So it's this, it's this special word that, you know, transcends the way in which many of us love but it's an unconditional, without bounds, without limits type of love, agape. So God is saying, the Father, you are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. Um, this, is, this is a side note, but I think this is important to address. A lot of times, um, at least in our American culture, um, we, we get caught in this rut of thinking that being concerned with pleasing God is almost in a sense of kind of this religious pursuit. And oftentimes in American um, Christian circles, we identify this desire to please God as this legalistic pursuit. And, And oftentimes we even kind of speak against it in some ways but but I believe and we see it here clearly in the text and scripture God expresses his pleasure with his son now there is a dynamic of pleasure that the father takes in his children just for the simple fact of being his child, my son, my daughters, I can take pleasure in them because they are mine and I am theirs and there's a pleasure to be had in that. But there's also an additional pleasure when when they and I are in agreement, when we are in accord, walking together hand in hand, um, there is a desire by the child for obedience there is a there is a pleasure that i can have in them as a parent of our functioning accord 
We are not in dysfunction with one another. We and I can have a pleasure in them that that transcends even just the inherent pleasure that I take in the fact that they are my child. There's there's two degrees of pleasure. And I do believe that the same is true of our relationship with with our heavenly Father. He he takes pleasure in the fact that we are his children, but he also takes pleasure in the fact that we are walking in accord with his desires and plans for our life. See, we can actually reject the the plans, the desires of our heavenly father, yet still be his child. Um, There are things that God has planned for each and every one of us that he has written down for us to do good works planned ahead of time for us to do written in his in his books that he wants us to walk in agreement with walk in cooperation with but we can reject um, his desire in terms of walking in his will so there is a pleasure to be had from the father by walking in agreement with him. So let's not miss that God the Father, he affirms in his son, Jesus, that he is his beloved son and he is well pleased. Notice the context of his affirmation is Jesus is being baptized. He is entering into the visible ministry of the plan that the Father has laid out for him. So let us every day desire to please our Heavenly Father who sees all, knows all, orchestrates all. But let us um, come into agreement and cooperate with his leading and his desire. So that's uh, that was an unplanned piece there. So I, that's uh, I believe that's important and in the heart of God uh, for us to hear in our day. So verse twelve. So so God the Father affirms confirms the identity of Jesus as His beloved Son and the fact that He is taking pleasure in Him. Now. Coming straight out of that, and this is how this is how the devil operates. Not um, we find our identity in Christ, in the Father, and in the Spirit. And the way that the devil operates is he wants to challenge the the central core of of our identity. And if he can get us off of the the train tracks of identity in Christ, then he has us in in quite a predicament. And I believe identity, misidentity, is the root of all kinds of um, tricks and stumblings and evils and sins. Misidentity, not understanding who we are and whose we are. And, And as we 
as we operate in dysfunction as a result, a secondary consequence of a misidentity, then then we get all kinds of of um, of fallings in our day to day life from um, gender identity issues, um, from sexuality and and attractions, all kinds of 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 wrongs as a consequence of not knowing who we are. This is a thing that we come across, um, all of us to some degree, across uh, the span of our lives is trying to understand who we are. As a child grows in into you know, young person, young adult, teenager, um, into, you know, high school, middle school, college, um, as they grow, they are beginning the process of, of discovering who they are and, and their identity. So we must be rooted if we have any hope of, of being fixed and firm in our walk with the Lord. We must be confident of who we are. And, and the only way to do that is to be confident of who whose we are. So this is the very thing that Satan goes after, um, we find, after the Father affirms Jesus' identity. So it says in verse 12, so this is where we were, we were trying to get to, um, and, but I appreciate the word of the Lord in the moment. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Verse 12, it says, The Spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, out into the wilderness. Now, um, this is this is an interesting is this is an interesting word um, because oftentimes depending on um, your language the words can take a a certain meaning um, based on the lens that we have on or the context in which we live um, sometimes, at least from my perspective in in North America, when I see the word wilderness, I think of the word wilderness. I think of this almost kind of, you know, jungle type um, of setting. But but rather here is is a uh, is more correctly pictured as a desert. He drove him out into the desert, and. This is this actually carries with it um, this place of desertedness or abandoned or desolate, um, and so it's this it's um, it's this picture of emptiness. Now, I do believe that that it was literally um, the Lord Jesus was driven into this desert, but I want to point out something. Very interesting, and oftentimes we do not attribute these things to the leading of the Spirit, but we see it explicitly happening here in the text. The Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God immediately drove him, led him 
out into the wilderness. We find the Spirit of God taking Jesus, as it were, by the hand and leading him into a place of barrenness, uh, a place of of emptiness. Um, one could even say, uh, we've heard in, in American literature, the dark night of the soul. It's this place of uh, extreme brokenness, loneliness, despair. We've all been there. Um, and and sometimes it, it occurs many times. Sometimes it feels as though it would never end. But little do we ever consider that perhaps the Spirit of God is leading us into that place. Um, these are conversations that we don't like to have in Christian circles, um, and we tend to blame everything that happens in a negative sense on the devil, and, um, and that's just not the case. Um, but we can rest assured that when things are brought before us, it is if it is indeed the Lord putting us in that place, we can be assured. Let me say that again. We can be assured that it is to bring about something greater in our lives. And it could be a greater um, a greater outcome of any facet. Um, it's not tied to one specific outcome, but if it's the Lord's doing, it's for our good. It's for a benefit, and good will come from it. We must trust Him in those seasons of this of these wilderness periods in our lives where it feels like it will never end, but He is faithful. He's faithful, and He's good, and He cares about us. So um, I'm actually, during in my, in my work situation, I'm going through a very difficult time. Very difficult. I've not had this kind of uh, despair in in my employment, and um, it it it's it's to the point where you know almost daily I'm there thinking like why am I here? Why am I enduring this? And to the pl- to the point of I could just I could just quit. I could just leave uh, because it's such a dark situation and despair, despairing and hopeless. Um, But in those places, I ask for strength. I ask for his endurance. I ask for his encouragement. And, And every time without fail, he gives me endurance to make it through. And on the other side of it, I look back and I just, I'm in awe of his tenderness and care. And I know he will do the same for you. But the Spirit, it says, drove him out into the wilderness. The Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, and he was tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals... And the angels were ministering to him. Now that's that's where that's really where I wanted to to hit today in this recording is um, the angels were ministering 
to him. Now, as a quick side note, I want to just point this out. And this is and this is fascinating when the Lord showed me this. But if you see the text, the sentence right before, and he was with the wild animals, that word there um, is for animals is therion. That's the Greek word for that. And properly translated or uh, specifically translated, it's a, um, he was with the wild beasts. Now we, we, we coin that or it's coined animals. However, in, in the context of that, we take it at face value for, oh, well, he was in the wilderness. He was in the desert, you know, the desert. He was with wild animals. But that's the same word used for the beast in Revelation, Therion. And so perhaps there's more to understanding this idea of this beast or actually more than one in Revelation. Um, and perhaps it could be um, touching on the beastly aspect of, you know, when we, th- when we think of animals and that wild nature, um, could it be that Revelation is speaking to that beastliness, that wildness um, inside of humanity? Something fascinating to think about. Same, same word, same Greek word. And it says, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, when I read that, I was I was really taken back for a second. Let me think about that. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. He was going through all these different temptations by the devil. He was around these wild animals, these wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Um, some translations will will use the words uh, the angels uh, waited on him or um, or um, assisted assisted him. I think maybe is another way that is translated in other uh, Bible versions translations. But I ask you know I ask my I ask I ask the question, what does that look like? What does the angels ministering to him? look like? What does that actually mean? Now, this is where I don't, I don't have answers for you, but I think it's worth considering. I think it's worth taking a moment to, to reflect on what could be inside of that. Um, I will, we will go to another text just for um, maybe additional insight, but but we read here in this that Jesus was in this place for forty days. Now, um, personally, I believe that during this forty-day period, Jesus lived out; he fulfilled the law in which man could not. This is a period of extreme testing. We read in other places uh, in the Bible that um, that that Jesus has been tested or tempted in every way in which we have been. So we have a high priest 
who can fully relate to the struggle and make intercession for us. But I believe that this place, this 40-day period in the wilderness was where Jesus fulfilled the law that we, that man, uh, that humanity could not fulfill. Now, we know that after he passed the test in, in the other gospel, one of the other gospel writers says that the devil departed from him uh, waiting for an opportune time. But um, so that's not to say that Jesus never again faced particular um, temptations or struggles. But I do believe during this 40 day period, uh, this is a personal uh, perspective that this is where Jesus fulfilled the requirements, where he was the measuring tape against the law and, and he passed the necessary fulfillment of uh, righteousness that we could not. So it it only took Jesus 40 days, um, again, personal stance, uh, 40 days to finish what man could not um, in more than 2,000 years. So when we look at the word ministered, um, this is um, the Greek word for it is uh, diakoneo, um, that might be how you pronounce it. Sounds good to me. And and it speaks of of it's it's as though a slave who is pouring out wine to the guests. Um, it means to um, it means I wait at table. Um, I serve. This is in the general sense of the word. This this is the lexicon. Um, so that word minister, ministering. Uh, diakoneo is speaking of serving at tables to the guests. Um, now, I'm immediately, when I read that, I'm immediately taken to when the apostles, um, they they end up selecting the deacons, of which Stephen was one. And they did not have, or it did not seem right to them that they should wait tables um, now, again, in our culture, at least in American culture, we think of waiting tables when we think of a server um, at a restaurant. And um, although uh, there might be a, a bit of a correlation to the idea, um, obviously not not what was being spoken of, um, it was it was in that day. Uh, the service that you would provide the the widows the the orphans um, the service to the poor the social um, interaction uh, caring for needs meeting for needs and we see that here alive in this word of the diaconeo uh, of it, it's an expression of service to one who is greater than you. So naturally, that should stimulate our thoughts of, well, how were the angels serving Jesus? And as we, as we think on that, and again, I don't, have the, I don't have the answer, but I do want to ask the question. And I, and I hope that in this question, you find yourself pondering, um, thinking on this question. 
How were the angels serving Jesus during this period? I'm recall, I recall back to Jesus once actually telling his disciples, I think this was in the interaction with the woman at the well, but they go to get food. They come back and they find him speaking to this woman. She rushes off because she realizes he's the Messiah. And she goes back to tell everyone. And Jesus tells his disciples that I have food that you do not know of. And, and then he goes on to explain that my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. There is a sustaining power that's available inside of obedience and seeking to do the will of our Heavenly Father. There is a sustaining nutrition that's available. We're talking, you know, go in your mind beyond, beyond food, beyond, beyond drink, beyond, beyond that. There is, there is a satisfaction that comes that transcends your physical needs Hey, food and you know, food and drink. These are needs. These are these are things that are inherent uh, requirement of our physical bodies in which God has created. But but his his obedience to the Father met his physical need through a spiritual reality. It's quite, it's quite a profound thought, but there's something that's obtained in the spiritual realm that can't be obtained by the physical, but it actually can meet the physical need. It, the physical need can reach out and touch or can be touched by the spiritual reality that's accomplished inside of obedience to the Father. That, that is a, another um, profound thing that we should give more and additional thought to. It's deeply important. So, as we consider, how were the angels serving Jesus? Um, a passage that I was led to, uh, as I think on it, was actually out of Hebrews and the writer of Hebrews is talking about how God has spoken through and by his son, Jesus. And he spoke of, you know, the, the, the prophets in the last days that God has spoken through them. And now he speaks through his son. He talks, this, the author of Hebrews speaks of the son as superior to angels. And he goes through this, through this dialogue in verses 5 um, through 13, and, and he gives these scenarios in which to say the Son, Jesus, is superior to the angels. He speaks of the dialogue that the Father would have with the Son, and, and he compares that to 
to to which angel to to which beings has God ever spoken this to? And so he's speaking to the um, the the superiority of Christ. But where I want to land in terms of what we're talking about today um, is in verse thirteen. But to which, and this is chapter one, verse thirteen. But to which of the angels has he the Father? ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So, sit at my right hand. This would be, this is actually a passage out of Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord. So, the Lord, notice here, you it may show up in your in your bible the capital lord that's yahweh that's god the father says to my lord and this is capital l lowercase o r d you know, so david is writing this psalm and he says the lord says to my lord david is speaking of his lord that would be jesus and in a previous in a previous uh, episode, um, I kind of went through some of what that looks like, some of that language, and 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 the use of of Yahweh and and God and Lord, and so uh, capital L lowercase O R D. We're talking about one who is superior to you, and so that. That quote out of Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, David is saying that the Father said to the Son, sit at my right hand. We know the right hand is the hand of, of, of power, of authority, of ability. Until I make your enemies your footstool, bringing everything he is what he is saying. Bring everything and everyone who opposes you under your feet. Until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. So he's saying, to which of the angels has he ever said? To which angel has God, our Father, Yahweh, ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? He has, not, he has never said this to an angel. He has said it only to the Son. So, so the writer is reinforcing the superiority of Jesus Christ, God the Son, over all others. Verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Here we're talking about angels. Some translations make that clear. Uh, here in the New Revised Standard, it says, Are not all angels spirits in the divine service. So uh, here in the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says, it just says, are they not all ministering spirits? So you have to, depending on the translation, you have to connect the dots as to what it was previously speaking of. Um, but some translations help connect those dots for you. Um, are they not all, are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit 
salvation. Now, there's many examples throughout the Old Testament where angels are are messengers or angels are accomplishing an assignment or work. Genesis 19, 16, Genesis 28, 12, 32, 1, um, and verse 2, Judges 6, 11, uh, Judges 13, 3, Psalms 34, 7, uh, Psalm 91, 11, 103, 20, and 21, Daniel 3, 28, Daniel 6, 22, 10, 11, Matthew 18, 10. But, but something interesting of note inside of this is it says, are they, are the angels, are they not ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So you may ask when you read that, well, who are they that will inherit the salvation? Matthew twenty five thirty four says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Okay, so right there tells us that this king that is speaking is actually King Jesus. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. So that's, we're reading carefully, we're reading closely, and we can see, obviously, that's not the Father speaking, because he says, blessed by my Father. Our Father, Heavenly Father, God, Yahweh, has no Father. But we do know that Jesus Christ, the begotten Son of the Father. So he says, then the king will say to those on his right. So we see that on the right hand, as previously written there in in Psalm 110, sit at my right hand. So the right hand of the father sits the son. And now we see here on the right hand on, or the right side of the son. So we just keep going down the line. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. These are children of God who come under the leadership of Jesus Christ given by the Father. So, those inheriting salvation are is speaking of children of God those born from above born by the spirit of God into the family of God as children of God we are those who are to inherit or have inherited salvation so this tells us in verse 14 are are the angels are the, aren't are they not ministering spirits and here we see, um, here we see this um, this word again, um, ministering. However, it is actually a a, a different a different Greek word. Um, 
which uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. However, it it does seem very similar to um, the word like liturgy, but in the lexicon, um, it just it defines it as given to serving, um, and it just redefines the word ministering. But what the more important thing that I want to illustrate out of this verse is angels are sent to serve for the sake of those. So if we see a lot of these illustrations throughout the Bible of the roles that angels play, there there is a there is a um, there are assignments that they are given to accomplish. But I believe that this verse gives us the 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 heart's echo of the purpose of um, of angels as ministering spirits, or they are, um, if we were are to borrow the the idea of um, of what we learned previously that the angels were they ministered to him. It speaks of a service that's provided. Uh, to another. Now, um, I wouldn't dare to presume or or um, suggest that uh, humanity um, uh, that 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 humans are greater than angels. Although I do believe that um, there is scripture that that says that. Do you not know that you that you will judge angels? So. Um, but I won't go there. Um, I will say that um, it there is a belief. I believe a connectedness between service to another, and so I believe that is a facet of of what that um, of the of of what the angels are um, performing here to Christ in the wilderness is they are providing something they are they are serving him in some facet and that's really what I kind of want to leave you with is is a is a, a imagination um, a fantasy of what could that look like and I believe that if you ask the Lord to help you to see, what does that look like? What does that feel like? I believe that the Lord will will give you an impression, will give you will give you ideas and thoughts of what that would look like. Um, so I just encourage you to to seek to seek him in in understanding um, and hopefully that this gives you, just a small taste, really, of of how we can approach Scripture in in awe and wonder, um, and and how it can begin with questions, and and sometimes the questions may may not get answered, um, especially right away. Uh, but if uh, I have seen it happen in my own personal life far too many times, to give up the searching because. I'm not getting an answer. I get, I get answers so often, and uh, and they're independent of anyone or anything 
I just seek the Lord, and uh, He's always been faithful to to give me understanding and insight. Um, so I just want to be want to be faithful in that regard, and I want to encourage you to do um, the same. Seek the Lord, and He will give you uh, wisdom and understanding um, if you'll seek Him, and He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no one uh, to get to the Father, to get to God, except through Jesus Christ. Uh, so we must submit our lives to Him, our our hearts, our passions, our desires. Let everything realign uh, based on the desire of Jesus at work in our life. And we will find a fullness of life inside of Him. So I'll just uh, encourage you. I thank you for taking the time. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. God bless. Thanks for joining me. I hope this blessed your heart and you leave with something special. Let us press in to know Him more. Let us press in to know Him more. And He will find us in seeking and seek us in finding. God bless you.